0: Good morning again, Lindsley Avenue. Good morning. So good to see everybody. If my count's correct, Jeff can correct me here, I think it's 42. I counted 42. That's not a preacher count. I haven't done that well enough yet. But uh, obviously, for, we'll see who's in the know here, 42 is actually the ultimate answer to everything, <laughs> of life, the universe, and everything. So if you know what that is, you can find me after services. But uh, so glad to have you visiting with us like to ask you to come back and visit again whenever you can. Uh, We hope and pray that uh, we can be of service to you, and we can always be of service to one another. So if there's any way we can help, uh, please let us know. Uh, This morning's topic is one that, if I wasn't careful, it could sound like I was trying to do this from the text, and not at all, because I believe Lindsay Avenue does a really good job with this. Serving others through involvement. Serving through involvement. So I want this really to be more of an encouragement to keep up the good work. Keep up the good work. The passage here on the front of the slide is one that uh, I really, really like because it reminds me to get busy. In 1 Peter 4, uh, verses 10 through 11, we read, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another good stewards of God's very grace If you stop right there as each has received a gift we've all been given some gift from God first step is to figure out what that gift is what can you do to be a good steward of what God has given you some people are able to teach classes in larger gatherings there are some who are able to teach little kids Bible classes That is something I cannot do. I've I've tried that before and it it wears me out. Uh, I I just, that's not something that I apparently have been given a gift for. We all have different gifts. Some people have the gift of giving. Some people have the gift of uh, empathy. Some people have the gift of encouragement. Some people can speak in front of groups of people, but that's not nearly the gift everybody should be looking for. We've each received a gift One of my responsibilities is to figure out what I can do and then use it. What I can do and then use it. Notice how he continues. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, whenever we're working for God, whenever we're using this gift that we've been given, the strength to do it, the honor from which it comes, is not in me. It's not in you. (laughs) We serve based on the strength that God supplies to use the gift that God supplies. Why? In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The reason, the reason we serve is to glorify God. Whenever it changes from that focus, it's time to stop. It's time to stop. that is kind of an overriding theme of this whole idea of serving others. Do it to glorify God no other reason. And this morning we're going to look at, second, uh, at uh, Philippians chapter 2, the first couple of verses, and then moving on with it. Picking up here, this is the contemporary English version, slightly different uh, than the wording that Phil read to us a couple of moments ago. It reads, Christ encourages you, and his lo- love comforts you. God's Spirit unites you and you are concerned for others. <clears throat> I really believe that the reason we are concerned for others comes from those three previous phrases. The encouragement we receive from Jesus himself, the love that he gives to us and the comfort that we get from that, and the unity that we have in the Spirit of God. Those are the reasons that we are concerned for other people. At the base of it, he's going to talk about this in a minute. At the base of it, there's one basic flaw that we as people have that causes us not to be concerned for other people. Look how he continues. We'll talk about that in a moment. Now make me completely happy. Live in harmony by showing love for each other. Be united in what you think as if you were only one person. Speaking to a group God's people, a congregation, a church. Live in harmony. I have that underlined there. Live in harmony. Some versions will say in full accord. Some will say in a harmonious way. Live in a harmonious way. That's the idea of souls that beat together, hearts that beat together. They're in tune with Jesus and they're in tune with each other. Be united in what you think, be of one mind, thinking the same thing. I think the CEV explains that really well right there. It says, as if you were only one person. You know, we usually try to get somebody help, medical help, if they are having different thoughts going on in their, inside their single head. If you've got one mind, you ought to be thinking one thing. So we, as a gathering of God's family, should be united in heart and mind in order to be concerned about people it's almost like clocks that are different, different looking clocks, but they all strike at the same time. I've heard a joke that says that a person that has one clock knows what time it is. Anyone that has two never knows what time it is because it never goes off. In My dad's house, and dad has a lot of clocks. You know, I just have to stop sometimes because I know for the next two or three minutes they're all going to go off. You know, you never quite are, that's not the way we're supposed to be shouldn't be offbeat we should be having one heart that beats together for the purpose of being concerned about other people the one danger which threatened the Philippian church was that of disunity not beating together in one heart not thinking with one mind not having one purpose there's a sense in which that is the danger of every healthy church because we're all made up of sometimes unhealthy people, people that have problems. I mean, if you were to able, be able to, to turn the camera around and the view around and look at each other, everybody sitting near you, everybody sitting in this auditorium we all have problems. One of the basic problems is that When we are really intense about the beliefs that we have and that we share, then trouble can happen. Often the greater the enthusiasm, the greater the danger that we can have collisions between different viewpoints. It's against that danger of not having a common direction. Not having one sense of purpose. Not having one beating heart of a family that Paul is trying to safeguard his friends here. He then says don't be jealous or proud this is in Philippians 2 starting in verse 3 don't be jealous or proud but be humble and consider your others more important than yourselves care about them as much as you care about yourself and so here Paul gives three great causes of disunity of problems of causes for why hearts don't beat together causes for why minds don't share the same viewpoint causes for why the course of action is not united. The basic problem is right here, number one. There's selfish ambition and jealousy. You know, Really and truly, the basic problem that we all have, the problem that I think leads to almost all situations of not doing what God wants us to do is a selfishness. I'm focusing on me. I'm the number one here. I don't want to do that. You can't tell, finish the sentence, me what to do. You can't tell me what to think. It's when I'm thinking of myself as more important than any of you or anybody else that I've got things out of order. Thinking of ourselves should only occur after we're thinking about God and after we're thinking about others. It's okay to love food. I mean, I I love me a good hot Mexican dish. I love frozen custard. Why, I don't know, I just do. But when I love that more than I love you or somebody who's hungry, that's wrong. That's flat out wrong because I'm valuing what I want more than the opportunity to help other people. So there's always the danger That people should work not to advance the cause of Jesus, not to advance the work, but to advance themselves. And when you're selfish, there's essentially a jealous nature to that that's looking after you rather than other people. We all, let's face it, there's a place in which we all want to be recognized and called out for, look what that person did. (laughs) Well, hey, thank you very much. I am kind of a big shot, aren't I? You know, all you all just really wish you were as successful as me. Guess what? No. Because no one gets to where they are without the help of a whole lot of other people. Paraphrase a song from the 60s. We get by, finish it. With a little help from our friends. I think we get by with a little help from our brothers and sisters. and That's the way it ought to be no no man no woman is an island we are all here to help one another in order to glorify God watch out for selfish thinking selfish behavior I don't have time to do that because I right second point there's the desire for personal prestige going along with what we're talking about of wanting to feel honored for yourself Sometimes prestige is an even bigger desire for some people than wealth. To be admired and respected, to be the one, some people come to ask, what do you think about that? You know, to be sought and known by your name and appearance, even to be flattered, is for some people the most important thing. The aim of a Christian should not be self-display, but self obliteration myself ought to be a word that doesn't really come to the mind of a follower of Jesus. Because of all things in this world, the three usually most important people, me, myself, and I, are the least important. That's so hard to avoid. It's so hard to somehow step away from our usual way of thinking of I want, I need, I don't want, I don't need, and to focus on other people because it seems as if it almost doesn't come naturally. You know, you don't always have to be a conqueror of the world or someone who does a 100,000 good deeds every morning either. It's not in the handout, but think to the parable of the talents that Jesus spoke about. The ruler was going into a far country and he gave a certain amount of money to three servants and then he came back the only servant he did not condemn is the one that did nothing, did nothing. he didn't fuss at the person that had two and, and generated two more he didn't fuss at the person that had five and generated five more he didn't fuss at all about any effort that was made what he did is he said you could have done something, something. So we here at Lindsley Avenue have been doing a great job of doing some things we should keep up with good work. Focus less on self, more about helping other people. The Christian should desire to focus the eyes of others not on ourselves, but on God. It's not me doing this, God's doing. Handing a a bottle of cold water to someone say simply, God loves you. God loves you. It's not me giving you the water. I want you to realize that the reason this water is coming is because God loves you and God loves me. There's also, as I say, this concentration on self. If we're concerned first and foremost with our own interests, we're bound to collide with others. Because there's going to be a conflict between what I want and what somebody else wants. If life is a competition whose prizes we have to win, we're always going to think of other people as enemies, or at least opponents, who have to be pushed out of the way. I know someone who approaches everything as a game they have to win. When they're hiring in somebody to work for them, if they can simply get that person to come in and work for a little less money than they thought they might have been able to get, that person thinks, I want that. I win. And so every interaction with an individual is a game where I have to be the one to win, this person thinks. I don't even think they're aware that they do that, but they do. And it's not very attractive. Why? I'm not the one who is the winner. Jesus is the one that won the battle for all of us and gave us the opportunity to be family, to be brothers and sisters, Love one another from the heart. It's not a game where to win, you've got to step on other people. Not at all. We have to lift other people up. Concentration on self inevitably means the elimination of other people. The object of life becomes not to help others, but to push them down, to be on the top, right? There was that game children like to play, King of the Hill, where you're climbing up on top of folks. Think of all the people who's who are getting stepped on, who are feeling all that weight and pressure from everybody else, there are a lot more people in that kind of situation at the bottom of the pile than there are at the top. Look at our society. sure seems like that's very common, doesn't it? Lots of people being stepped on, lots of people being the way other people are able to move up certainly shouldn't be that <coughs> among members of God's family. Look how Paul finishes this section. Care about them, care about other people as much as you care about yourselves. English Standard Version says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests but also to the interests of others. There's not a focus on number one. There cannot be a focus on number one yourself. You know, we even have that phrase, well, hey, you got to look out for number one. Members of God's family should be doing and thinking. We can all help other people. All help other people. For a Christian, number one is never yourself. Never yourself. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. The Christian whose life has really changed will do all things without grumbling or arguing. The word that Paul uses for grumblings is kind of unusual. It's the word used to talk about the grumblings of the children of Israel in their journey in the desert. The people grumbled against Moses. Same word. Same word Paul uses here in Philippians. Well, when you think about it, that word is pronounced gongusimos. Sorry, but this may bring back English class from the 7th, 8th, ninth grade. None of those are good memories for me. I really never liked English class. Sorry if any of you English teachers or have been, but it was a word that was called onomatopoeia. Like, I don't know why I had to memorize that, learn that in the seventh grade or something like that, but it's the idea that it's a word that when you spell it out, it says, makes the sound, buzz, right? So when you have B-U-Z-Z-Z or something like that, that's, the, that's an onomatopoeic word. Okay, sorry again, sorry for the flashback. But in the, the language Paul's using here, in Greek, they have that same kind of thing. And so, this bungosimos, if you think about somebody saying that in a low breath, that's what, it, that's what it's doing. It's a word that almost sounds like the grumbling sound that a crowd of people would make. It describes that low, threatening discontent, the muttering of a mob who distrust their leaders and they're on the verge of an uprising. Something that ought to be far from those of us who call God our Father can't be grumbling can't be fussing because usually that means i don't like what's happening focus cannot be on ourselves the word paul uses for disputing or arguing it it describes the useless ill-natured disputing and doubting in the christian life there should be serenity of peace there should be certainty and perfect trust because jesus is the reason that we are here jesus is the reason That we are children of God. Down in verses 14 and 15, we read, Then, if we do all things without the disputing or arguing, if we focus on other people being more important than ourselves, if we focus on serving other people, look what he says down in verse 14. Then you will be the pure and innocent children of God. You live among people who are crooked and evil, but you must not do anything that they can say is wrong try to shine as lights among the people of this world as you hold firmly to the message that gives life. Then you will be, rather than already are. He's talking to people who are Christians. There's still some work to do. We as Christians, members of God's family, have to fight every day to not focus on ourselves, but to focus on other people because it's such a seemingly innate thing where it's almost like hitting a reset button every day when you wake up. I've got to move away from focusing on me and make sure my focus stays on other people. If I can do that, if I can focus on other people, Paul says, then you will be pure and innocent, children of God. Innocence, this idea of blameless, free from censure, free from condemnation, pure is without blemish and unspotted reputation crooked not straight right not straight we do live in a crooked and perverse generation if you look at society it seems like it's going off the rails on so many levels so many levels it was no different in the first century I have to remind people one of the Caesars married his horse I don't think that's happened in America today America seems to be sometimes going off the rails, but it's it's no different. We live in a society that is not looking for God. We need to help focus people to look at God. Try to shine as lights among the people of this world. The people of this world need the light of God. We need to be the lights of God everywhere we go. So much violence, so so much hate, so much focus on self which is where all that comes from anyway as we are among the people in that crooked and perverse generation in our society be lights in the world the idea here the word is actually stars you may not be able to see that much here in downtown nashville but if you've ever had the opportunity to be out in the middle of nowhere or the sticks right or in the the boonies or something right you've ever been out away from the big city you can see people that have really never seen it, and they look up at night, and their mouths just fall open because there's light all over the sky. We should be such a appearance of light that people see, you really are focused on caring about me? And their mouths fall open because we can be lights in a world of darkness. Are our lights shining? Think about the last week. Has your life been shining this week as mine? I think last week, I I asked people to take a challenge with me and to talk about God to at least one person, even if it was a checkout person at the grocery store or any kind of market. If you didn't do that this week, I want to challenge you one more time. If you're buying anything, probably sometime this week we'll buy something somewhere or other, as you hand the person, whatever you're buying, whatever it is, say, it sure is a beautiful day, God made. That's the first spark, if you will, of a light. We get in the habit of doing that, that every day will be more likely to be a light for God, a light for Jesus, in a world that often seems so dark. So my question this morning is, has your light been shining? If you are not yet a member of God's family, it can be shining because that life is not living in you yet so if you're not a member of god's family the opportunity will be yours in just a few moments to decide i'm going to turn my life away from living for myself i'm going to turn away from sin which comes from living for yourself and i'm going to begin living for god that's the idea of repentance the big word for that And I'm going to say that I am a sinner, that God, I need God to be the center of my life. And then we will have you die to yourself in the waters of baptism so that you can be raised to walk in newness of life. You can become a light in the world this morning, this morning. you have already been a member of God, already a member of God's family. Have you been having your life, but as Jesus also said, it's been kind of put under a bushel. Remember the kids song? Our lights are meant to shine. Our lights are meant to shine. So, are you holding to the message that gives life?